0: Hi, welcome to Pitttown Church. We are so glad that you're listening to this podcast. We pray that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you would like more information, check out our website at www.pitttownchurch.com. Okay, good evening, everyone. Um, if you'd just like to open your Bibles or switch your phone on to your Bible app. And tonight our reading is coming from Matthew chapter 6 starting at verse 25 through to verse 34. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wild flowers of the field grow. They don't labour or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, Which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own.
1: Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we open your word now, we ask that you would also open our hearts, that we would not just hear what your word says, but that we would hear you speaking to us in it. And not just that we would hear it, but Father, that we would embrace it. Father, we ask that you would help us use this passage to shape us and to mold us that we would trust you more and more. And we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well. No one likes being lied to. No one likes it when people don't tell them the truth. When someone lies to you and and you believe them, then maybe you end up paying more than you should, or you maybe end up with something that you didn't actually want, or you make the wrong choice, and you make the wrong choice because you had the wrong information, And sometimes when people lie to you, you end up in the wrong place and sometimes you experience pain that you didn't need to experience or you miss out on something good because you were told you could find it over here when in truth, it was actually over here the whole time. And maybe you can think of a time in your life where someone lied to you to you, someone that you trusted, and maybe things turned out really badly, and maybe they were trying to cover something up, maybe you learned in that moment that they can't be trusted, because we're always trying to work out, can this person be trusted or not? And whether you're here this afternoon and you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, or not, or whether you're here and you totally know that God exists, or if you're here and you're not exactly sure what you think about that. Either way, if God is real, then it makes sense that we could trust him. If God is real, then he's good and he's wise and he is faithful. And so above anyone or anything surely we should trust him. And even though we know those things are true, at the same time, it can still be really hard to actually trust him. There are moments perhaps or areas of your life where it can be a real struggle to trust what God's word says. And I suspect that one of the reasons why we find it sometimes so hard to trust God is that we're afraid that if we do trust him, then we'll miss out on some of the things that the world has to offer. And our passage tonight is going to deal with those two exact thoughts, those two questions. Can God be trusted? And will we miss out? And what we're going to see is Jesus is going to help us to examine our lives and to uncover what it is we're seeking and what it is we think is important. And he wants to show us how we can be different from the world around us and also how actually worry is a liar and cannot be trusted. So we're in Matthew chapter six, if you accidentally closed it, Matthew chapter six, and we're starting at verse 25. And so this verse, verse 25 begins with this phrase, this is why, which means that what he's about to say is connected to what he just said. And so how does it Connect Well, he's just said, we looked at this last week. He just said, don't pursue your treasure in mere possessions, in in temporary pseudo treasure. Don't think that life is found in endless accumulation. Earthly treasure isn't real treasure. It's just future junk. Instead, pursue heavenly treasure. Things like God's approval, the kingdom, people putting their trust in Jesus as king, heavenly treasure. He says, set your heart on that, pursue that, accumulate that. And then you think, okay, so don't accumulate earthly treasure like the luxuries, but instead heavenly treasure. All right then, but what about the necessities? What about the simple bare necessities? What about them? And that's what Jesus now turns to talk about. And and what he says is, in my opinion, very confronting when you first hear it. And in our specific culture, what he says might be heard as being actually quite inflammatory. And even for those of us who are on Jesus' side, for some of us, it sounds impossible. So he says, verse 25, this is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? (laughs) Now let's just pause there. This is the bit that I think when you first hear it, is quite confronting and maybe even for some of us might even make you a little bit angry or at least you would think Jesus just clearly does not understand what real life is like. Because we live in a world that is increasingly gripped by anxiety. We all know this. And I know that there will be people in this room who are worriers. My mom was a great worrier. And so I'm aware that when you tell a warrior not to worry, that all you've done is just given them another thing to worry about. Now they can just worry that maybe they're worrying too much. And so I I am aware of this, you know, don't worry about your life. Or I can imagine that there is someone in this room who is facing down the barrel of an absolute tragedy. There's some horrible situation that you can see bursting into your life. And then here comes this preacher who says, hey, don't worry about your life. And you just think to yourself, just preacher, just stop. You don't understand. And then, of course, there will be some of us in this room who are facing, let's say, capital A anxiety, you know, clinical, diagnosed, generalized anxiety. And you already maybe feel guilty and horrible, And it took everything that you had to even perhaps get out of bed or it took everything you had just to get in the car or get out of the car or walk in the doors. And then, again, here's some preacher that I'm going to come now and have a go at you for being anxious. Is is that what we're doing? And I just want to say, if that's you, then, you know, if that was your morning or that was your afternoon, I just want to say, I appreciate the effort that you have gone to just to even be in the room. I just want you to know that sounds hard, you know, and tiring before you even get here. And so I just, I appreciate the effort. And you know what would be really nice? What would be nice is if we could just go like around the room and just hear everyone's story. And then we could then talk about exactly what this means for each individual person. That'd be, that'd be really nice. But we don't have that. What we have is this. And so what we're going to do is I want to be as precise as I possibly can be about what Jesus is talking about here. And then like every week, you can then follow up some of this. In your growth group and kind of unpack and tease out maybe what this means exactly, specifically for you. So that's, that's what, what we're going to do. Now, when you hear the word worry or anxiety, my guess is that we think primarily about a feeling or maybe something about how we think. And that's because the world that we live in is so dominated by feelings and psychology. And so in our world, you are what you feel. And that's so ingrained and unconscious and assumed. And so when Jesus then comes and says things like worry and do not worry, we, I think, instinctively assume that he's talking primarily or even exclusively about this feeling of worry. But when you read these verses carefully, you begin to notice that it seems like Jesus is not thinking primarily or exclusively about worry as a feeling or about it like it's a psychological state. Let me show you what I mean. Verse 32 from verse 31, he says, so don't worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the idolaters, the nations, those who don't know God, they eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He says, don't worry about these things, food and drink and clothes, because the nation's eagerly seek these things. And so the worry about food and drink is about seeking food and drink. It's not primarily about how you feel. It's more about what you do. The worrying is about seeking, pursuing, building your life around these things. Now, Yes, there will be some thoughts and there will be some feelings that drive you to act this way. But what Jesus says when he says worry, the main thing he's talking about is seeking, not how you feel, but what you do. Now, we're going to come back in a moment to think about this worry, this seeking after food and drink and clothes. But first, I want to tease out what Jesus says about where this worry, where this seeking, this doing comes from, because he does talk about feelings, but it's not necessarily what we would think because he wants to peel back the layers and uncover what it is that drives us to pursue and seek and scratch and claw for food and drink and clothes. And he's going to point out some, some feelings And some thought processes, as he, like he always is, is going to be zooming in on our hearts. So the first thing he says is in verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Now, what is Jesus doing here? What he's doing is, he says, the reason that you would construct your life around the pursuit of food and drink and clothes is because you don't think that God can be trusted with those things. And so we worry and we seek and we pursue food and drink and clothes because worry is a liar and worry is a liar because fear Is a liar because while fear and worry lie about lots of things, the main thing that they lie about is God. Fear and worry says that God doesn't care and that He won't help and that He doesn't think you're valuable and He doesn't think you're worth the effort, and all of those things are lies. God does care, and he can help, and you are valuable, and you are worth the effort. And if God can be trusted to care for the birds, then he can be trusted to care for you. And he makes the same point again in verse 28. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor, spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of those. And if that's how God closed the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? You're more valuable than flowers. You're more valuable than birds. You're more valuable than grass. Remember, when Jesus says worry, what he primarily has in mind is the seeking after, the constructing a life that is focused on pursuing food and drink and clothes. It's not the absolute do not feel worried about anything ever. It's the doingness that he has in focus. But he does also point out where this doingness comes from. And it comes from fear. It comes from a lack of trust, a lack of faith. He says, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? And Jesus, his point is that if you're trusting your fear, then you're not trusting your God. Worrying about food and drink and clothes and then building a life where you are chasing after these things, that happens because you don't have faith in God to care for and provide for you. And Jesus isn't, his point here is not don't save for the future, don't plan for the future. Instead, just just be lazy and food will just miraculously appear in the pantry that's not his point. His point is, I mean, the the Bible everywhere, elsewhere, talks about these things and says that saving and planning are good ideas. I mean, of course they are. The difference is between planning and worrying. Those two things aren't the same thing. There's a big difference between planning and saving because you know that God is providing for you. And one of the ways he's providing for your future is to provide for you now so you can save it and plan it. That's, that's one thing, but it's a totally different thing to plan and save because you're worried that God won't provide for you and because, and because he's not you better. Those two things are so different. And so Jesus' first point to help us to think about worry is that worry is a liar. It tells you that God doesn't care and that you're not worth it. And so you better look out for number one, because no one else will, especially not him. And none of that is true. Worry is a liar. But the second point is quick. It's in verse 27. He says, Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And what he means is, will worrying lead you to get a foot taller? I'm sure some of us in this room would love to be taller. But will worrying make you taller? Or will worrying add an extra hour to your life? Will worrying do anything? The answer is no. Jesus' point is that worrying doesn't work. And here he's talking about that feeling side of worry. Worry and anxiety, by definition, are unproductive. Worry and anxiety are unproductive thoughts swirling around a centre of fear. That's what it is. That's what it means to worry. And so you're afraid of something. And so you think about it, but you don't think productively. You don't make a plan. You're not going to work out how to minimize anything. You just think about the things you're afraid of. What causes it? It doesn't do anything though. It doesn't produce anything. It doesn't add anything. It doesn't achieve anything. It doesn't work. Nothing changes because of worry. And so Jesus makes his point in verse 25. Don't worry about these things. Don't chase after these things. And then he explains that point in verses 26 to 30. And then in verses 31 to 34, he then makes his positive case. So we're not supposed to worry about these things. Well, what are we supposed to do? Well, he says, verse 31, he says, So don't worry, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the idolaters, the nations, the non Jews, those who don't know God, they eagerly seek all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own. And what Jesus does here is he clarifies and reorients us to the things that are important. You know, we think certain things are important and we think other things are less important. And we think food and drink and clothes and those kind of choices, what kind of job will we have? What kind of What kind of work will I do? What course will I do? We think decisions like that are really important. And then we think other things like, will I gossip? Will I be thankful? Will I be kind? Will I speak lovingly? We think these things are less important. And Jesus says our priorities are all wrong. Everything is upside down. What will we eat and drink and wear These things are not important. And these other things, like how we act and how we behave, these things are extremely important. And the challenge is to let God's word shape us and to shape how we think about what's important and what isn't. Because we live in a world that is girt all around us (laughs) that's <laughs> GERT, just, just in case you don't know. Um, my, uh, one of my New Year's resolutions is to use the word GERT more and it means to um, be surrounded by. So the world, we're GERT, we're surrounded by a world that tells us what it thinks is important. And what it tells us that it thinks is important is food and drink and clothes. And the reason why we know that is because every second TV show is about one of those things. It's either about food and cooking, and master chefing, or it's about someone getting a makeover, or it's about some house that's going to be renovated, or it's about how to make your garden nicer. That's like almost every show on TV. Without those things, it's just sport. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it because they're the things we think are really important. And when that's all you think life is, when you don't live for anything bigger than yourself, when your world shrinks to the size of your garden or to the size of your kitchen reno or to the size of your wardrobe or to the size of your barbecue, when you have framed God out of the picture and this, this is all there is, then you might as well focus on food and drink and clothes because that's all there is. Without any bigger purpose, your whole life, no matter how young you are or how old you are, without a bigger purpose, your whole life just becomes extended palliative care. You might as well just make yourself comfortable as you wait to die. That's all it is. And then in a world like that, things that aren't important become very important. What you eat and what you drink and what you wear, those things don't matter. But that's all we think about. And so we worry about that. We seek after and build our lives around a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. And we obsess about what we eat and drink and restaurants and alcohol and it's all just an obsession with pre-digested sewage. Just think about that. Whatever you eat and drink, whether it's the lowest of the low Maccas or whether it's top of the line cuisine like KFC, <laughs> whatever it is you eat, it all just comes out the same. It's all just pre-digested sewerage, and we're obsessed with it. That's madness. Think about that. That's madness. And so then verse 33 is the heart of it. Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. He says, the rest of the world runs after all of these things, food and drink and clothes and money and possessions. And he says we are to be different from them. But we're to be different not because we think these things are bad, not because we think food is bad or drink is bad or clothes are bad or money or possessions are bad or bodies are bad. They're not bad things. Instead, we are to be different from everyone else in the world Because we don't need to run after them and worry about them in the same way that everybody else worries about them. And the reason why we don't need to worry like everyone else worries is because of two reasons. Number one, we have a God who cares for us and provides for us, and we know it. And then number two, we don't run after all these things like everybody else because they're not our top priority. They're not our top allegiance. They're not our top concern in the world. Our top concern, our primary loyalty is to the kingdom and to the truth that Jesus is king and that people would, that would be spread throughout the world and people would know it. Our top priority is to pursue heavenly treasure and and that kind of maximum righteousness that Jesus talked about back in chapter 5. That's our top priority. The thing that we are to seek after, pursue, build our lives around, worry about in that active doing, pursuing, seeking sense is the kingdom and righteousness. That's what's important. What we eat, that's not important. And what we drink, that's not important. And what we wear, that's not important. And storing up treasures on earth, future junk, that's not important. Storing up treasures in heaven, that's important. Being committed to people hearing about Jesus and putting their trust in him as king, that's important. Being kind, that's important. Being patient, that's important. Being Christ-like, that's important. Jesus says there's there's bigger stuff for you to focus on. He says there are friends on your street or at your work or at your school, there are friends that he wants to call to himself. He has a lifetime of discipleship and ministry that he's preparing for you. He says that he wants you to trust him, that he'll look after you. He, he, he wants you to focus on renovating your life so that you become more and more his faithful follower. He wants you to focus on winning this world for him one life at a time. Now, let's just be clear. Jesus is not saying that the only things we should be doing are kingdom things. And if we're ever doing anything else, we should feel really guilty about it. No. He says, seek first the kingdom. He doesn't say seek only the kingdom. You will still need to do a whole bunch of stuff. You'll still need to buy groceries and you'll need to buy clothes. You'll need to buy new undies. You'll need to clean your house and clean your room And get your car serviced and pay your bills and do exams and all that stuff, but that's just not what your life is about. You still need to do them, but they're not what's first. They're not what's top priority. Worrying about food and drink and clothes, thinking that that's what life is about, that's like going on a road trip and thinking it's about visiting petrol stations. A few years ago, Nix and I and the kids before COVID BC, (laughs) a few years ago, BC, we went on a trip down to um, Jindabyne, down to the snow. And Jindabyne's a long way away. There's a lot of petrol stations between here and the snow. And we visited a lot of petrol stations. But the point of the trip wasn't to visit petrol stations. The point was to go to the snow. But the petrol stations were important. They were necessary, but they weren't the point. And in the same way, food and drink and clothes are important. They're necessary, but they're just not the point. Life's not about food and drink and clothes. You have food and drink and clothes so you can do life. Jesus says, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? In this whole section, both last week and this week, what Jesus is saying is that loyalty to the kingdom means that we won't be stockpiling temporary counterfeit treasure We'll reject earthly treasure as future junk. But we'll also even put essentials like food and drink and clothes in their proper place by trusting God to provide them rather than scurrying around faithlessly trying to claw them into our orbit. You know, wouldn't it be... A shame if we worried about the same things as everyone else and if we worried about those same things the same way that everybody else worried about them. Wouldn't it be a tragedy if we were chasing after the same things as everybody else, even though we knew that God cares about us and that he's in control of everything? And that's the challenge here us? Where is your ultimate allegiance? Where is your top priority? What do you put your hope and trust in? And if it's the kingdom, if that's your top priority, would the rest of us be able to tell just by looking at your life? What would it look like to be a part of a church where everybody took Jesus seriously and trusted God like this and put the kingdom first in everything? What would that kind of church look like? Well, one of the things is, I mean, we would be passionate in prayer. We'd have so many of our friends coming to church, we wouldn't know where to put them. Our growth groups would always run over time because everyone would be praying too much and we'd run out of time. We would be generous in our giving. If there were dramas between people, we talk about it and work it out. If there was a ministry that was worth doing, then we would do what we could to reorganise our life and how we use our time so we could be a part of it, be where the action is. Wouldn't it be great to be part of a church like that? What is it that you're seeking? What is it that you're worrying about? What is it that you're pursuing? And who is it that you're trusting? Are you trusting your fear or are you trusting your God? Because one of them is a liar. Jesus says, So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the nations eagerly seek all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. And so therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Jesus and for his challenge and his clarity as he helps us to reorient what's important and what's not. Father, we ask for each one of us in this room that you would help us more and more to trust you that we wouldn't worry and seek and, and, and pursue and build our lives around these things, but that you would help each one of us more and more to seek first the kingdom and righteousness, that you would help us to be the kind of people and the kind of church that you would have us be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.